Welcome to Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini, the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and the St. Francis College Career Center. My great pleasure to be back with you today. Our wonderful millennial co-host, Gina Pirro, St. Francis College Class of 2017, is with us. Hello, Gina. Hey, Brother Greg. The purpose of Thank God for Monday is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how to utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. Now, listeners, as you know, one of the goals of Thank God for Monday is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. And as such, we are very honored today to have with us a very, very most special guest. His name is Troy Nix. Troy is the author of Eternal Impact, Inspire Greatness in Yourself and Others. Hello and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Troy. Brother Greg, an absolute pleasure to be on with you. Absolute pleasure. Before we get to the gist of our conversation, kindly share with the listeners, Gene and I, just who is Troy Nix? Wow, that's a that's a deep question, right? You went, we only have fifty-eight minutes. We're in trouble. <laughs> you know, actually, I, I'm I'm out of the the state of Indiana. I grew up in a small town north of here, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Last uh, of a family of six, Tom, Terry, Tina, Tim, Todd, and Troy. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting, my upbringing, and I kind of outlined it a little bit in the book. And uh, I had a, uh, one of my close business friends who just purchased the book, and um, we're going to meet halfway. So he's from Cleveland, and we're going to meet in Columbus, Ohio, because he wants to talk uh, about some of the things he learned of the book. And he... He called me over the weekend and he said, Troy, I had no idea. So when you're introducing me and, and you're like kind of bloviating, if you will, about this, you know, this guy who can inspire and this and that, I, I'm looking around. I'm like, who are you talking? Are you talking? Who are you talking about? That's not my introduction. So I will tell you a very humble upbringing. Um, one uh, that uh, I think put me in the right frame of mind. Uh, large Catholic family is how I kind of grew up, but I had the opportunity, and I'll use this term, I had the opportunity to escape uh, when I was a senior in high school because the cards were somewhat stacked against me. And the um, the opportunity came uh, when Congressman Dan Coates uh, gave me an appointment uh, to the United States Military Academy at West Point. Wow. So I spent a little bit of time in your neck of the woods, which is why we were before this talking about those big old phone books back in the 80s and the 90s that Gina doesn't remember, right? No. <laughs> but um, that opportunity then uh, began to, to open doors for me. So I then went in the military, and then from the military, um, I, I began as an entrepreneur to start up companies. And so right now I, I sit before you, I have a, a management firm that's been in business for just about 25 years. And the management company is basically responsible for running manufacturing-based trade associations. 
So we, I started up another company uh, with the help of some senior business executives in the plastics manufacturing realm, started up another organization in the rubber products manufacturing realm, and another one uh, that, that actually hired me in the mold building realm. So we've got about 1,250 manufacturing firms under our umbrella, and we provide them with a host of benefits and opportunities. So, you know, one of the things that I've had, um, and I give great gratitude for being able to learn from the best. I have unbelievable role models that surround me each and every day. And I'm able, it's just like I feel like I'm getting a, an MBA in leadership each and every day, getting to watch people and learn from them. And so that's just a little bit of my background. Well, we are so blessed, Troy, to have you on Thank God for Monday today. We're super excited to get into the conversation and learn more and, you know, sharing with our listeners what you've experienced and learned over the years. So could you share with us, is there a promise that's commonly broken in business? Is there a specific promise that's broken? <laughs> it's interesting because each and every day we break promises in business. I, and, and it's funny that you bring it up because um, about, I want to say two years ago, I, I gave a, a keynote presentation on this concept of broken promises in business. And one of the things that I underline is just that if you've been in business long enough, you've broken tons of promises. I don't care if you're running restaurants, running a cab business. It doesn't matter. And, and the concept, though, is not the fact that we break promises. We don't do it intentionally. But the concept is, is how do we rebound and how do we respond to a broken promise? That's the, that's the biggest one of all. So if you look at our industry sector in manufacturing, I mean, the top ones are delivery, quality, and cost. And so how often do our manufacturers basically say, hey, we're going to have product to you by X date and don't get it there by X date. So technically that's a broken promise. Right. Or, or how often do we um, supply a million pieces of a component and have a couple of those pieces uh, that are not to specification from a quality standpoint all the time? Mm-hmm. Now let me jump out. How often do you order a pizza? And this happened to uh, to my wife and I uh, about two years ago, and there was a foreign object in our pizza once they delivered it to oh, our gosh. door. So, so the concept there as an example is, so we called the pizza place and said, Hey, we are constant customers. Like we, we visit your place of business once a week, mm-hmm. not New York style pizza, by the way, but <laughs> Hey, we have a foreign object in, in our, in our, you know, in our pizza. The proper response isn't, well, that happens on occasion. Mm-hmm. which is the response that we, we received. So oh, wow. it's, to me, it's it's not that you break the promise. It's about how you respond to the broken promise to make it right. I don't know if that helps, Gina. I probably didn't nail it on the head like you wanted, but there's too many broken promises for me to identify. No, this this is really, really helpful. And like you said, it's not always intentional that it happens. I mean, that was a really good example. But I'm thinking, you know, do you feel it happens more unintentionally than intentionally, especially in business? Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. You know, my place of work, one of the one of our mottos, because I I work and 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 our people, our team works on culture each and every day. I want to have the best culture I can because I'm a smaller business, and if you look at what's in Indianapolis, you've got Eli Lilly's and Roche Diagnostics. And you've got Cummings Engines companies. You've got all these large organizations that pay a heck of a lot of money, have outstanding benefit packages, and smaller businesses have a hard time competing. But what I can compete on 
is how I run my organization and building this atmosphere, family orientation, uh, flexibility and things like that. Delivering chicken soup to folks when they're sick to their doorsteps. Wow. So, so right? That, that's really important. So the motto is the fact that we don't come into work wanting to do a bad job. Nobody gets up in the morning before their feet hit the floor and say, I want to do a bad job today. Do they? I mean, real, realistically. <laughs> I so, hope not. So if you think about that, no, nobody intentionally does anything, I think, to, you know, bring uh, degradation to their own character, uh, to hurt the company that they work for. And that's kind of the way we look through our own, uh, I guess, lenses is that when we have a mistake in the organization, we don't focus on the person. We focus on the process because the person didn't mean, mean to have it happen. And if the person is following a process, which they all should be, I mean, we have processes for everything, then we have to look at that process and say, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? Does that help? It certainly does, no doubt about that. And I'm so heartened you mentioned Roche Diagnostics because prior to becoming a Franciscan brother of Brooklyn, I was with the Roche Group for 30 years you in New Jersey. What did you do? I was a, I'm a recovering CPA, uh, Troy, actually. Oh yes, I was in the finance group most of those years. And I had the great fortune of meeting with people from Roche Diagnostics, uh, Branchburg, New Jersey, and Indianapolis. And then I did actually go to Eli Lilly as well to help teach a class. So, uh, so great that you're right in the mecca there of the diagnostic uh, and the pharmaceutical countries out there uh, in beautiful Indianapolis. Now, I want to follow up with one question, if I may, from this great chat. You and Gina have been having, if the problem wasn't the business's fault, is it still important for them to make good, Troy? And if so, why, please? So let me, let me come back to you, Brother Greg. Can you give me a, for instance, to put things in a better perspective for me uh, in terms of e- even maybe give me an example? Because, you know, I've always been a, a pretty big believer in the customer's always right, but to a point. So give me a give me a sense and feel. Let's say I order something online and it doesn't get to me, but the organization knows that it was shipped out to me. So necessarily I would think it wasn't that they did what they were supposed to do, what they committed to do, putting it on the truck, let's say, but it never got to 135 Remsen Street, beautiful Brooklyn. Yeah, that's now, it. Now, what's going to happen there, please? Yeah, that's very interesting. And, and I, I guess, uh, I look at things, uh, through, and I'm glad you brought it up uh, about what we're doing on this day, on this Monday. And you talked about personal responsibility. And as soon as you said personal responsibility, my mind clicked and I went to this thing called extreme ownership because in my world and when I went to the academy, Within about the first five seconds of my life in the academy, when we were under, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but, you know, just said goodbye to my mom and dad and my family. And you get underneath where there's nobody around. Things kind of change almost instantaneously. And you learn, you learn immediately about ownership. So I will tell you this, is that in my world, if, if I put my customer onto a vendor, so this is what happens. So we all have to rely on vendors to get our product from A to B. If that vendor fails, then ultimately I have to look at myself in the mirror saying, did I choose and select the right vendor or not? And so I think this is where it comes to, because right now, if I look at all my manufacturers, 
They have to use trucking and distribution firms across the United States. And I guarantee you what, if they have their product ready by a given time and that freight company fails, the failure ultimately comes back on them. So they have to take ownership for it and figure out the process of making mm-hmm. it better. So I will say in, in that specific instance, Brother Greg, that I'm owning that as a company leader. And, and I'm making sure that my vendor um, does a better job next time or maybe there won't be a next time. Wow. That is so interesting, and I'm sure many of our listeners have been in that situation. In fact, I'm currently in that situation uh, where I ordered something in, I think it was December 14th, and look look what day it is today, and I still haven't gotten it. Uh, so that's very interesting. So, Gina, Gina let's, let's identify this. So think about it. How does it make you feel about the vendor? Because you're not focused on the fact, I don't care, you throw any, any name brand out that you order from, it doesn't really matter. But how does it make you feel about the vendor? You you order mm-hmm. something, you don't have it yet. You don't know who they're using. You don't know if it's UPS or FedEx or you have no idea. But it puts this taste in your mouth about the vendor. And this is why I would ultimately take full accountability because in the end game, people are looking at my firm and they're saying, hey, you promised this and you didn't deliver it. I can't look at my vendor and say, gosh, it was your fault. Ultimately, I have to take ownership for it because they have a bad taste about me and my organization. And that's not going to happen. So I think we have to understand that. And even the pizza organization, right? I think the owner of the pizza organization has to understand this concept of, hey, um, do I know? how my general manager or my customer service is actually happening because I guarantee you that the owner of that pizza establishment didn't understand uh, the communications that I was getting as a customer. And as a result, did I ever go back to use their product? No. Right. It could really harm a relationship between a customer and a business. And, you know, I, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, Troy, but this is especially helpful for any of our listeners today who are either working in the business field or even just thinking about it. We have a lot of people who are currently in school or just recently graduating that can use this information and expertise that you have. Hey, Gina, let me build on that. And I agree with you that if you're in business, this is a really, really important lesson. But, you know, Brother Greg opened this up about taking personal responsibility. Let me tell you, it, it comes back. I see so much happening uh, in our atmosphere today. And it's this concept of finger pointing. I'm not where I'm at. Uh, you know, how, how bad the last year has been on my life. And I, I know, you know, I've just, I've just went through, you know, breaking my ribs in September, having oh my a, losing my entire November because my wife and I were sick with COVID. Uh, she ended up in the hospital. And then just two weeks ago, I had an emergency heart catheterization. So I'm not looking in my rearview mirror saying, why me, why me, why me? I'm looking forward out this huge windshield saying, I have all this opportunity ahead of me. How am I going to take advantage of it? So this concept of extreme ownership and where you are in your personal life, if you're not looking at the mirror every day going, I own this, I own where I am. I own where I'm going, then you need to think about this. And prior to getting on, and I'm sorry I'm long-winded, but this this is something that inspires me so much. And I told Brother Greg before we started that if we can get one person to understand that they maybe have another opportunity to better themselves by taking a little bit more ownership over their lives and doing something about it, 
this time uh, in this Zoom atmosphere to me uh, is deemed well worth it. We can't thank you enough, Troy. Despite the turmoil of 2020 and your own personal situations, you and your wife, that you have forged ahead to join us today on Thank God for Monday. The Seton Hall motto is hazard, set forward, advance despite difficulties. You are quite a role model of hazard, set forward, that's for sure. Now, as I mentioned, I was 30 years in the pharmaceutical business. And we used to use a phrase that I'm sure you use often, competitive advantage. I'm just thinking, is it possible we've been talking about broken promises? Can companies gain a competitive advantage by the way they respond to broken promises? And if so, how? Help us out, please, Troy. No, I'm not going to. I'm just going to go right back at you, Brother Greg. You need to tell us. (laughs) You you are in one of the most competitive fields in the world when it comes to diagnostics, medical devices. You know, just real quick, you tell me, what do you think? I believe there's an absolute competitive advantage to be gained, but never before this show would I have put the phrase competitive advantage and broken promise in the same sentence, in the same paragraph, the same paper even. Yeah. Man, you, you just hit a home run right there. I, I most certainly, um, when my customers as manufacturers look across the river, as an example, and one of their competitors misses deliveries, has quality faux pas, you're guaranteed that that opens up doors of opportunity. You, you, you are guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And so the way we run our business is, is that same concept. And if you think about my management company, so, you know, you may, you may say, gosh, you're so, you're so niche. You really don't have many competitors, but I could come right back at you and say, oh, you know, I've got all the local and state chambers of commerce that offer valued services, whether it comes to affinity programs or uh, benchmarking data and things like that, or, all the state manufacturing organizations upon which every state pretty much has a state like Indiana has the Indiana Manufacturers Association, New York has it, Jersey has it. So if you go down that road, I have competitors all over the place. So I'm a firm believer in this concept that, you know, you can take advantage of broken promises and you can lose your competitive advantage by not responding correctly when you have a broken promise to one of your customers. So you uh, guarantee, and this is interesting, and I'm going to throw it, I'm going to throw it in because from a personal basis, if you're not in business, it's something I always try to tell people that I've been through the ringer. You know, if you look at my life, it's been a sine wave. I've had some really, really low points in my life. I'm really, really low points. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when those doors of failure are shutting on you so loudly, sometimes when the doors of frustration and, and even being fired, right? I, I've, I've been fired before. I, I was going to say, say to your audience, if, if you're having trouble out there because you've gotten fired, you haven't lived until you've been fired. Right? <laughs> that's where it's all bad. That's, oh that's what it's gosh. all about. But the, the concept of responding and understanding that sometimes those doors slam so loudly in our lives that we can't hear the doors of opportunity that are quietly opening in our lives. And so this is true uh, in our organization when sometimes we don't respond the way we need to with a broken promise, that sometimes it's okay. 
And we sit down as a staff to say, what can we do? How do we do it better? And because we're listening for opportunities, sometimes that broken promise actually leads us to bigger and brighter futures. I can really relate to what you're saying because my 30-year career in Brick Pharmaceuticals ended uh, by being fired in a downsizing. And Troy, it was devastating, but in retrospect, it was the greatest thing that ever happened. It was the impetus to become a Franciscan brother of Brooklyn, uh, the greatest decision that I've ever made. And I really, truly feel that God has placed me where he wants to. It would have never happened had my career continued in big pharmaceuticals. That, that's that's a that's amazing story right there. And I know we've got kind of a theme here, but just to branch off really quickly, Brother Greg. So back in um, 19, I get emotional on this, but around 1993, um, I remember coming home. So I had just left a Fortune 10 company. So right after being in the military, I actually went into manufacturing. And it's actually plastics manufacturing. I, I was working for a division of Mobile Oil Corporation. And uh, anyway, I decided to, to leave that behind. Uh, I did it for about three and a half years in manufacturing, and my wife wanted to start having a family, so she wanted to kind of move back home around Indianapolis, which is what we did. And uh, interestingly enough, I took a job with a friend. Three months later, the friend fired me. I'll never forget walking in the door that morning and my wife looking up at me and going, what are you doing home? And responding to her, uh, I don't have a job anymore. Well, we had just closed on a house. Uh, she didn't have a job. And three days after that, she told me that she fulfilled our purpose. And that is, she told me she was pregnant. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, I, I have no insurance. I have no contacts. I have no way to pay my mortgage. Um, I, I did my best uh, at the time. This won't maybe sound like a mu- much to your listeners or watchers, is that my COBRA bill was $409.25 a month. And back in the mid-90s, you know, that's that's a lot of money for a guy that didn't really have much of a savings, you know, and and, um, um, uh, had basically used up a a lot of his uh, income in order to continue to have a roof over their heads. And so what I didn't understand at the time, just like you, Brother Greg, that door slammed so loudly, it threw me into a state of depression that... I, I don't even want anybody to have to live through what I've lived through. And I know there's plenty of people that are listening that have. But what I realized and what I try to, to, I guess, kind of preach to people is sometimes it takes us a long time to understand the door that opened for us. And it took me over five years to finally understand. And it led me to teaching in a local university. It led me to developing my own team building course at, at uh, Indiana University, Purdue University downtown. I'd made $400 in a day back then. It was a huge amount of money to teach people wow. about teams. And ultimately, it taught me how to be a better speaker in front of people. Had I never been fired, I may have never found my true potential. And now starting up three businesses and running four at this point in time, I would have never been here. Oh, my gosh. How thankful I am today for that to happen. And I I have one more story, if I can, please. Of course. I know I'm taking a lot of time. But, um, you know, I talk in my book, and I think this is around chapter 8 or chapter 9, about being kind of in the trough of life and not doing very well. And I remember I was addicted to a drug. It was a legal drug. 
It was one that I had been using for about 13 years to go to sleep, but I found that I was physically dependent. I wasn't a very good, good consumer of the drug. And um, so I was in the midst of, of battling withdrawals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a host of doctors uh, that developed a withdrawal plan for me. And it was, it was going to take me a year and a half. And about every six weeks, I would go through symptoms uh, that many uh, heavy drug users would, would often feel coming off of heavy drugs. Wow. And it was, it was absolutely horrific. So I'm feeling pretty uh, sorry for myself at the time until I sat down with one of my friends and um, he looked very healthy, but he told me at the beginning of the conversation that he was having issues going to sleep and staying asleep. And for a guy that has had sleep deprivation, me, mm-hmm. since 2002, this is about 12, 13 years later, I was like, man, I think I can help you with that. Well, no sooner did he say that he was having sleep issues because of sciatic nerve issues, did he say, oh, they found out today that my sciatic, sciatic nerve has a tumor on it, <gasps> and I have stage four lung cancer. Oh, my gosh. So as we were talking, and about eight months later, as he's battling this disease, I have an end point to this story. Uh, uh, I spent a afternoon, a Sunday afternoon at his house and everything that he had went through, he had uh, biblical scriptures up on his wall that he had basically carved into it because he had spent endless nights of pain and agony and just reading scripture. And it was, it was amazing to me, but it shook me up so much that when I was saying goodbye, I had tears in my eyes. It was absolutely terrible. And he took me by the arm. Steve did Steve Demas. And he shook me and he said, Troy, it's okay. It's okay. God has given me the greatest gift. And I was just like, he's given me the gift of cancer. And when he said that to me, the door of opportunity that opened in his life was living through a circumstance where he knew he was going to lose his life. But during that time period, he lived his life so much more fuller than he ever would have. Wow. That it led, it led him almost to the promised land. And it was an amazing experience of somebody that was looking death in the eye and saying, please, this is, this is so, it's been such a great gift for me. And man, that has resonated with me for years now. The happy side of this story is that Steve called me the other day and he's five years NED. Oh my gosh. So it's pretty cool experimental treatment the whole nine yards but what a gift and for hopefully for those who watch this and listen to this of the true gifts when those doors slam on us and we think they're slamming and the other ones that are opening that are sometimes so much brighter than we could ever manufacture for ourselves that thank you troy because that was one of the most powerful and impactful and beautiful stories that I've heard. Um, and I know that at the beginning of our conversation, you set out to say, if you even just inspire one person today, like it would have been um, time well spent. And I just want to assure you that you've inspired two people on this call right now. And I'm sure many, many more who are listening today. Um, and this, like you mentioned earlier, it goes beyond just business. It goes into like the very depths of our souls and our, our beings as people, um, that God was with you throughout this whole experience with your friend. I can't believe he's alive and well, you know, even today. Um, and it's just a great reminder for all of us to thank God for Monday, right? Thank God it's Monday. Um, because 
you know, work can get you down, you could feel stressed, and all of these different things can pile up, and you can use it to your advantage and get through it. It's yeah, beautiful. Most definitely. It's beautiful. Yeah. Sadly, we've only got time for one more question. I think it's the most important of all, and I think Gina will agree. From where can our loyal listeners purchase Eternal Impact? How can they best follow you, Troy Nix, please? That's great. I appreciate it. Um, I'm at uh, www.troynix.com, and uh, it's a simple speaker's website. So, yeah, they can find it there. And um, if they, they want to put a little bit of note, and then I'll, I'll be willing to sign it. If they, if they have something they, they want me to include into that, I'll be willing to sign it for them. I like touching people's lives. And, man, I, a great thanks, Brother Greg and Gina. Uh, for giving me this outstanding opportunity. And Engineer Frank, man, you've been really quiet back there, but you're making sure <laughs> everything's going well. So we got a great deal of gratitude for the guy behind the scenes too, man. So thank you all very much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What an amazing show it's been today. And, again, listeners, that's Troy Nix, T-R-O-Y-N-I-X, and his amazing book, Eternal Impact. Um, after you have connected with Troy and checked out his book, please also remember, if you're not connected with us, to follow and connect with our Thank God for Monday social media, where you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. And before I go, uh, Troy, I just wanted to thank you so much again for making this one of the most impactful shows that um, truly like I can remember and thanking you because I think that this is what I needed not only today, um, but also in just this season of my life. So thank you so much for being on our show today. Troy, I second the Franciscan gratitude Gina just shared. Uh, Gina, thank you very much for what you just shared and keeping us all up on social media, certainly. Uh, Troy Nix, thank you very, very much. As Gina said, yes, we've been enlightened. We have been so inspired today. I've got a brick wall in front of me. I think I could run through it right now. So, again, many, many thanks. Continued best health, joy to you, your wife, wonderful family, certainly, as we proceed forward in 2021, we're hopeful indeed triumph, no doubt about that. And as a special thank you, we want to share with you today, Troy, the blessing of St. Francis, which we ask upon you today. Troy, may the Lord bless thee. May the Lord keep thee. May he show his face to thee and have mercy. The Lord bless thee. The Lord keep thee. May he turn to thee his countenance and give thee peace. The Lord bless Troy Nix. Amen. Amen. Listeners, sadly, once again out of time, Gene and Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Troy Nix does, you'll say, thank God for Monday.